Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. How many of you uh, read The New Yorker at least many years ago? Not necessarily in its latest uh, version, but many of the Talk of the Town pieces were written by our next guest, Ian Frazier, who also wrote uh, a hilarious book called Dating Your Mom, a book about exploring the, the great vast center region of this country called Great Plains, and his new book called Family, which is an excursion into his family. It's a history in Brooklyn, in uh, Ohio, and the adventures of growing up, somebody who was born in 1951. Along the way, his writing career has also included stints at a Harvard Lampoon and We magazine, not as an us, but it, in the French. We, we please welcome Ian Frazier to West Coast Live. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. First of all, people comments about dating your mom. You know, for people who don't know this, what was the premise behind dating your mom? Well, back in those days, there were a lot of kind of uh, articles about you know how to meet the perfect mate or whatever. And I just took it one step farther and said, you know, here's someone who already is crazy about you. Uh, <laughs> uh, why fight the single scene when your mom is right there, you know? And uh, uh, so, yeah, that was, that was the basic idea. And uh, I, had it, I had the idea sitting around for a long time. And then um, and I was a little worried about what my mom would think of it. And then I just finally decided, well, I'll just do it. And, uh, and she didn't like it, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm, I was glad that I, that I finally did it. Now, part of your book, Family, has been going through, as you put it, your dad's museum and your mom's museum and finding all the details of, of, of a human life. Uh, was there anything you found in your mom's life that would have made you reconsider that premise? Well, um, actually, when I wrote Dating Your Mom, one thing that's funny is you think a joke is just a joke, but actually jokes have great dimensions. And I think, well, the premise of that piece was that uh, your mother, look, she secretly prefers you to your dad, right? And I think, I think at some deep level, I might have sort of entertained that idea myself. And when I read my mother's uh, and my father's papers, I saw how very far from the truth I was. Uh, that, that was not, not the case at all. Um, and I also saw how, how real uh, passionate their um, romance had been in, in the late 40s. Um, and it was, uh, it was a shock. I mean, it takes a, it takes a kind of curiosity that's pretty ironclad to keep plowing right through your parents' love letters sometimes. But, uh, but that was uh, a major, that was a real reason for, for doing the book. The fact that they had saved these documents um, and saved them sort of carefully um, made me think that there had to be some meaning to them. And I would just look and look and look at these things. I spent a couple years going through them. And uh, one thing that actually surprised me was very often the, the documents didn't mean anything. And that was kind of funny. Sometimes they just simply hadn't thrown thrown it away, you know. My father's meal ticket from Boys State in Columbus, Ohio in 1936, you know, with all but two punches punched. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, that means he just saved it. I don't know <laughs> what it means for the culture at large, but. Do you, do you find similar attachment with, with stubs and bits and scraps of paper from your own life? 
Uh, yeah, I save a lot of things, but mainly the way I do it is I just save whatever's on the top. <laughs> it just sort of churns up, and whatever floats on the top I keep, and the rest of it kind of goes. I think one thing that I learned in this book, my family, were, many of them were journalists, and they uh, owned the newspaper in Norwalk, Ohio for almost a century. And um, they, they saved a lot of stuff. And by the time I was done with this project, I had as much respect for the people who threw things away. <laughs> it's really important if you want to have a coherent family history to throw a lot of stuff away. So in other words, the more detritus, the less coherent. Well, I mean, it's just marble spilled across the floor. At some point, there's so much stuff, you know. But if you save, um, if you save judiciously, um, that's, I think, a, a much better policy. And I've noticed that uh, very often uh, people whose parents or whose families are very family proud and know a lot about their family and their ancestry produce kids who want to marry people who know absolutely nothing about their families. <laughs> and I think that's nature's way of kind of uh, balancing and, and uh, making some order out of, out of family history. How has your family balanced, uh, re reacted to your would it, would it be fair to call it an obsession to look at your, your, your family past? Um, well, I guess it, it didn't seem like an obsession as I was doing it, but I guess maybe it, it amounts to that. Uh, they, uh, in general, were pleased, I think. People in my family were pleased with what I had done. Uh, I didn't uh, go out to, you know, reveal what a jerk Uncle Russ was or anything. I mean, it just didn't seem like that was the point. So uh, um, I think they, in general, um, you know, I wrote about, I generally write about things that I love, and I think that that, uh, I, I think that that was, sort of came through to the people who, who are mentioned in the book. The book, uh, you, what was the strangest thing you learned about your, your family? Was it, had a lot of your family been mystery, mysterious, unknown, either kept secrets, never passed on? Um, well, uh, there were things that were very mysterious. There were, um, on the frontier, uh, my family, a lot of people moved to Ohio and Indiana in the years between 1820 and 1850. And uh, there were a lot of in just upstanding, well-known, pillars of the community type of town founding people. And then there were drunks, and there definitely were drunks on the frontier. It was, uh, it was a very uh, uh, besotted time in American history. And uh, so y it was sort of funny to find complete documentation about uh, one ancestor and then his son, absolutely nothing about him except the years of his birth and the years of his death and his life was not long. So I found uh, that was the sort of thing that I found. Your, uh, your father was an inventor uh, and did early work with the, the Standard Oil Company at the, uh, the Trinity. What were some of his patents? Oh, he had patents for all kinds of wacky things. I mean, he had ideas, which I don't mention in the book, but when I was in high school, I, was, I ran track, and my father got this idea that the next breakthrough in uh, the sprints would be made by a guy trained to run on all fours. <laughs> and he, he actually believed that. He thought... It was, if anybody remembers track back then, there was this, uh, a high jumper called, I think his name was Fosbury, who was jumping backwards. Fosbury flop. Fosbury flop. And my dad thought, okay, the Fosbury flop works. No one's ever done that before. Now let's try running on all fours. 
And he actually did have me on the front lawn running on all fours. And when I have nightmares about this book, it's really hard to run on all fours if you're a human being. It's just, uh, it's just you're not made for it. And your head is in a wrong position. And it's just, and when I have nightmares, instead of running, if you've ever had like running nightmares, I have running on all fours nightmares. <laughs> Uh, but that was one of the more far-edged ideas. He had, uh, uh, he had patents for uh, ways of tracing, uh, well, he had patents of a lot of different kinds of motor oils and stuff like that. He, he uh, patented uh, oils that you pour on tools that are being cut in a lathe and all kinds of, he had 12, 12 or 14 patents. And uh, it was a big thrill to him to get a patent. And, uh, and I'm now hoping to get a patent for a device that I invented. This has nothing to do with anything, but I invented a device to take plastic bags out of trees, which is a big problem in New York. And uh, I'm applying for a patent for that. So that's the patent story. Can you describe a bit about this? Are you, or uh, Taking bags yeah. out of trees? Well, it's not a problem here, I'm sorry to say. I mean, like if you get into it and then you're traveling and you go, oh, there's no bags stuck in trees here. In New York, Plastic bags like from uh, Korean Deli or something, those white bags look like undershirts, sort of. <laughs> they float around, and right at this time of year, but March is the prime season, they hang up in trees, and then they flutter there, and they're out of reach, and they're just driving me nuts, and they're <laughs> all over where I live in Brooklyn. So a friend of mine and I invented a device which is kind of a snagger with a little cutting hook at the top, and we affixed it to a series of aluminum poles so we can now reach almost 50-some feet up into trees um, to, uh, to remove these, these bags. And it works great, and it's very satisfying to take a bag out of a tree. <laughs> so. But that, that's what? very far afield for no reason. So your great-grandson will be writing about your, my, my grand, he came up with this idea for getting bags out of trees. Right. Well, of course, there were no trees in New York at the time, but that didn't matter. Right. The, uh, in, this, in the chapter in this book, After the Civil War, I talk about the tremendous growth in inventions in America. There were all these inventions. And the greatest patent of all time was the, uh, was the telephone, which was just a brilliant invention. The guy introduced it at uh, the Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia in 1876 and just had, it was a little exhibit and it had giant crowds and just people from all over the world standing there. And they, people couldn't believe this was, this was actually possible, and uh, of course, you know, he made his fortune and created a, a technology that will last for, you know, many centuries, who knows how long. And I think I'm onto the something similar with this. Uh, well, I need big windstorms, and uh, so... And more Korean groceries. Right, and more, more plastic bags out there. I'd like to hear a bit of uh, family t describing the scene of Norwalk. And how? Uh, and and this is what imagine drawn from photographs, uh, from stories. What is your sense of? How did you get the sense of place and time? Uh, I read the Norwalk paper, uh, which is on microfilm. I read a lot of family memoirs. I read. Uh, I I did look at a lot of pictures. And uh, Norwalk is uh, a town which is found, which was founded by my five, four or five greats grandfather. And the book begins in 1900, 1901. I want to begin at a time far enough back to be exotic, but near enough to be uh, sort of accessible. So uh, this is about Norwalk, Ohio at the turn of the century. Norwalk, Ohio is an inland town in an inland state. 
It is about 107 miles from the Pennsylvania border on the east and 112 miles from the Indiana border on the west. Its founders, for fear of fevers, did not want to live near swamps or river bottoms, so the site they chose was a long sand ridge above the forks of the Huron River, 12 miles in from Lake Erie. The town's population was about 7,000 in 1900, and it is about 15,000 now. A hundred years ago, most Americans lived in towns Norwalk size and smaller. I have visited many towns where ancestors of mine once lived, but I like Norwalk best. Although highway sprawl has grown along its larger roads, it still looks like a small town. In some directions, farmland is still close. As I drive on Highway 20 in late fall, the first snowfall of the year whitens the gravel alongside the road and dusts the furrowed fields like fingerprints. In the summer, when I come out of the library in the evening, cicadas sing in the maples along West Main Street with a sound like a lawn sprinkler coming closer and then fading away. All my Norwalk relatives have died or moved away long ago. I can find more relatives in Norwalk's Woodlawn Cemetery than in any other one place. In 1900, Norwalk was a farm town. It also had a brewery, two small steel companies, a carriage body shop, and a company that made umbrellas. It was and is the county seat of Huron County. On busy days when court was in session, West Main Street was a thicket of wagon and buggy wheels. Several passenger trains a day stopped in Norwalk bound for New York or Chicago, and freights went through all the time. The freights brought tramps whose numbers increased in the spring. They left scrawls on back gates to indicate to other tramps which houses were most generous with handouts. The town had electricity, but since most of the houses had been built without wiring, extension cords hung here and there in the rooms. A local telephone company, Harrison Telephone, provided phone service. A typical phone number was 81. Nights then were dark and quiet. If you were lying awake, you might hear the tread of a driverless horse hauling home his drunken owner passed out in the wagon box. People rarely locked their doors, and when they did, they had to hunt all over for the key. Everyone knew everyone. Most would also talk without hesitation to any stranger who resembled themselves. Con artists went through the region like viruses. One borrowed $3,000 from a notoriously stingy Norwalk man using a phony deed to a farm as collateral and then disappeared, causing the lender to fret until he lost his mind. Another sold door-to-door -door as a sure moth repellent special beans imported from Manila, which turned out to be lima beans soaked in cinnamon oil. Others brought counterfeit pennies from the East and used them in slot machines and groceries. People died as a result of falls more often, apparently, than they do now. Either they fell off wagon loads of ice or stacks of straw fell on them. They also died in accidents caused by runaway horse teams and were run over and ground to pieces by trains. Thoroughfares like Main Street had a gravel surface, but roads in general were dirt. Between spring and summer, they sometimes went from liquid to gas with barely a pause at solid. In August, the dust on some roads might be so deep you couldn't ride a bicycle. Dust rode up wagon wheel spokes and then fell in showers like water off a paddle wheel. In town, roads were oiled or were sprinkled regularly by a water wagon. Because all laundry dried outside, housewives hated dust. They got up extra early on Monday to see who would be the first to get her washing on the line.
it was considered improper to hang dark clothes and light clothes together. In winter, ice and wind were another problem. Clothes wore faster when they froze and flapped on the line. <laughs> Ian Frazier, reading from <laughs> Family, published by Farrah Strauss Giroux. And it's, it's odd that you would even be able to, that you would have to write a sentence that said, nights were dark and quiet. Well, people who wrote about Norwalk, I have a memoir written by a cousin who was born in 1901, and he said nights were dark. I mean, I didn't just imagine that. He said Norwalk is lighter now at night than it used to be. So this is thoroughly and accurately reported. Uh, if I say somebody thought something, it's because I read somewhere that the person said, I thought so-and-so. Or if I say somebody dreamed something, it's because they recounted a dream. I don't, I, I don't make it up, because you don't, I mean, there's so much stuff you don't have to. Marbles on the floor. Right, yeah. right. The, uh, I love the, the, I love the digressions in the book, too. The explorations of the history of the oil industry and so forth. It's a, an American account. Uh, one particular branch of the American family. Thanks very much, Ian Frazier. Oh, thank you. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.